Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can help us by reaching others by investing at trinitysandiego.org slash give. Thanks again for joining us. Now here's Pastor Katie. Morning. We are talking about it's not you, it's me. Hello. Okay. Have you ever said that? Yeah. Okay. People, you are lying. Who's, who has said that? When you've broken up with somebody, we got four people in here. Everybody's lying today. Maybe we should talk about truth instead of relationships. Huh? Yeah. You know, you all have said it before. It's not you. It's me. You know, because you feel like you can't really tell the truth or something and you feel like you're going to hurt people's feelings. But the reality is, is that uh, all of us are in relationship if we are breathing. And so here you go. We all need uh guidance and counsel from God's word on how to have godly relationships. And I want to encourage you, come back next week, because we're going to be talking about uh, rom- uh, romantic relationships in the next couple of weeks. So that's always a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> and we kind of throw some, some stuff about sex in there and stuff too, because we feel like the church should be uh, the voice talking on some of these issues right. happening in culture rather than um, letting culture define uh, sex for us. And so I just want to encourage you, might want to put that one down on the calendar just to be here. Uh, It's really quiet in here. I don't know if people are really like writing it down or they're like, I ain't coming that day, okay? I didn't tell you what day it was. Just so you know. But today I'm talking about um, friendships and how to have godly friendships because I think a lot of us uh, grow up making friends, um, but we, as we, as we grow into adulthood, we uh, interact with people on a different level. We interact with people based off of a lens that we look through of our experiences. And those can heavily shape and define whether or not our friendships are healthy. It can shape whether or not we have uh, act, like friendships that God would define as a healthy relationship. Right. And, you know, Jesus surrounded himself with friends, okay? He had a connect group. They were called the 12 disciples, We're having connect group signups this week. I just want to encourage you, talking about friendship, and I'm going to talk about that over and over and over this morning. You guys are going to get so sick of me saying the words connect groups. However, Jesus thought it was valuable enough to surround himself with 12 people regularly, in regular communication, in regular discipleship. And so I think that we have to take the model that Jesus offers to us, the model of, of healthy friendship, of healthy discipleship and spiritual growth, and, and model it in the, in the modern church, right? right. Amen? Amen? This is a participatory experience, so just if you haven't been here before, we like to talk. Right. We talk back, you can talk to me, it's all good, okay? okay. It's all good if somebody else hears your voice, okay? Yeah. So look at, t- touch your neighbor and say, check your circle. <laughs> Look at your other neighbor that you just ignored and say, check your circle. All right. So friendship is God's answer to our longing to be known. That's what friendship is. Every single person in this room, every human being in this room has a longing and a deep um, need to be known, right? That's really what all we want. We want to we belong somewhere, but we also want to be known and we want to be understood, because so often we are misunderstood, our motives are misunderstood, how we say things are misunderstood, and therefore people make judgments about us based off of those things that we say. And so really the deep longing of every person is just to be known. And friendship is God's solution. That's good. 
And connect groups are the church's solution to that. In John 15, 12 through 17, this is what Jesus says about how he calls us friends. It says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. I think it's so important to note here before I go any further is that Jesus chose you. He chose you to be in relationship with him. And and he didn't choose you as a servant. He says, you're my friend. And because you're my friend, I tell you what's going on, what my father is speaking to me. But I don't do it just for this relationship right here. I do it so that it can multiply in this relationship out here within humanity. Everything that God gives us and everything that God gave Jesus was always meant to be multiplied within the circle of friendship that he had, of discipleship that he had. It was supposed to be expressed. It was supposed to be expanded upon, right? Because he was, Jesus was modeling what healthy friendship in the church looks like. He was modeling healthy, godly friendships. I have to make a distinction here because some of us have good friends and then some of us have godly friends, okay? And godly friends will tell you the truth when you need to be set straight. Godly friends will pray for you when you actually have a problem. Good friends will commiserate with you when you want to gossip and when you want to, you know, sit in your pool of cess and mess and they'll just sit with you there. They won't pull you out. So you've got to make a distinct, distinction right now about your circle. That's why I said check your circle. Did you know that you are the sum total of the five people that you spend the most time with? So if you don't like where your life is going or what it looks like at this point, you need to make a decision to get around somebody that is in, in, ahead of you, that's in front of you, to learn and to elevate your life. Because friends, true friends, number one, create safe spaces for you to be you. Number two, they accentuate the best parts of you. And number three, so to elevate you to your God-given design and calling. That's what true friendship is. And I'm jumping ahead of my notes. I'm sorry, Allison. I know you're trying to keep up back there. But I, I, I joined a lead pastor wives group um, about a year ago um, because I had this thought of, okay, where, what's my circle? What's my circle? I, I have to somehow find a place to find mentorship in, in my life. And I have to find a place. And Pastor Bob and Claudia have been amazing mentors. But I needed to find friends that I could walk this life out with, that, that, that were like-minded, like me, that were in, some of them are ahead of me in uh, ministry. Some of them are ahead of me in parenthood. And I just needed to find friends. I had to check my circle. And so I, uh, I joined this lead pastor's wives group and it's a bunch of us either where they are lead pastors that are women in churches in the area or they are married to lead pastors and they just we just get together once a month and we just have breakfast and we just really share our hearts we share what God is doing in our life and then we share um, 
the struggles that we might be walking through with our kids personally or in our churches, and we just share and we encourage one another. What happens in that atmosphere is a sense of encouragement. To ask Todd, like every time I leave there, I'm always better because I'm number one, I'm challenged by my thinking because sometimes my thinking gets into a, too negative of a, of a pattern and I lack faith. And so my friends with faith, they, they help elevate the spirit of faith in me to come back and to, and to do what God has called me to do. I always leave those spaces better, even when I really don't want to go. Because let's just be honest, sometimes we just don't want to go. Okay, but when I push myself and I look at my calendar, I say, I'm going to go anyway, I'm always elevated. I'm always lifted into a different space. And relationships are so important for us, particularly friendships. And relationships are the fuel for our life because they, they determine the distance of how far our life will go. If you've checked your circle lately and you are not as far as you want to be, you might want to look at your friendships. Look at who you're surrounding yourself with. Look at who you're learning from. We are created to be fueled by other human relationship. And if relationships are the fuel, they will determine how far you go. How far you go. Jesus himself calls us his friends. He tells us to be a good friend. Todd talked last week about be the one you want to have. Same, same goes for friendship. Be the friend that you would like to have. If you don't have that friend right now, just start being that friend. That's right. Come on. You will, you will be amazed at what happens and what kinds of people God brings into your life. Oh, Proverbs 18.24 says, Friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. True friends create safe spaces, they accentuate the best parts of you, and they elevate you to your God-given design and calling. But here's a disclaimer. I think many of us in this room uh, are like, yeah, I really, this resonates with me, I totally get it. However, I've been betrayed by people that I called my friend. So was Jesus. One of the guys in that circle stabbed him right in the back. The problem is, is that what we, how we do not model Jesus' character, which I will say I am the first to admit that I am guilty of this, is that when I have been betrayed, I choose to erect barriers and walls around my heart with other people that have not betrayed me. Right. You see, I get into relationships sometimes, and because of my past experiences, because of the lens that I look through and that I approach relationships in, I, I sometimes get to a point where I don't go any further. I don't go any further intimate, with intimacy in my friendships. I don't share beyond a certain point with people because I'm like, I don't know what they're going to do with any of that information. Are they going to judge me? Are they going to use it against me? Because I've had that happen before. And what happens is, as many of us in this room have been betrayed and we've been hurt and we erect those barriers around our hearts and our relationships can only go so deep, right? And the relationships are the fuel and they, they determine how far you're going to go. But if you erect this barrier, you can't go beyond that. Okay? And so when, when, when we start to isolate, loneliness is uh, the major source of depression and anxiety now. Yeah. And it's on the rise. Right, right. So when we erect these barriers and we say, I can't trust people beyond this certain point, you are going to fall prey and fall subject to a lie that loneliness is better than being in community. Wow. That's what the enemy wants us to believe, is that isolation is actually better, it's easier, I can protect myself by, by not, by, and I can insulate against um, people, but let me tell you something, what God wants you to know today is that when he puts something in somebody, you, you, may, you may not even know that 
your next best friend might be in the room right now and you don't even know them. You don't even know what God wants to use another human being to bless your life with. And I'm going to share a few stories with you. And it might not look exactly what you think it's going to look like, by the way. You might be looking around looking for friends in the room and you might not see anyone that actually looks like you or drives the same car in the same stage of life. Doesn't matter, okay? Because God can use anyone to bless another person and he can use you to bless another person. And that is how friendship works. But I wanted to share some statistics about loneliness because I think it's a really big problem. It's actually on the rise. And and according to a 2018 study or survey from The Economist and the Kaiser Family Foundation, more than two in 10 adults in the United States and the United Kingdom say that they always or often feel lonely. They lack companionship or they feel left out or isolated. The Economist goes on to say that findings add to a wave of recent research showing high levels of loneliness. A recent Cigna survey revealed that nearly half of Americans always or sometimes feel alone. 46% or 47% feel left out. Said that they always feel like nobody knows them well enough. And I think that this can go, this this is a survey of people probably within and with outside of the church, but I think that this is in the church too. We can walk into church and we can pick our seat and we can sit where we sit every Sunday and still not feel known right. and still not feel like there's, there's one person in this room that knows my name. And I want to encourage you today that that's not really God's design for your life. That is not his design for you to be a part of a local community and a church. He has designed you to have community here Amen. in this place. He's designed you to have friends here. It's, it's not, it's not, we're not meant to do life alone and we're not meant to do this faith life alone. And I wanted to, I wanted to pull out some of these ideas from a friendship that is in the scriptures that I think is so unique and it is so God honoring. And it is one of the closest friendships that I have observed of friendships of Bible, of people in the Bible. And it's with uh, Jonathan and David. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 4. Now, the backstory of these two meeting and instantly becoming friends is that David has been anointed the king of Israel, and Saul is currently on the throne as the king of Israel. However, he has been disobedient, and so the scriptures say that the, the anointing that was on Saul's life has been lifted and has now been placed on David. And David, in his, one of his first heroic acts of, of courage, he goes and he stands in on behalf of the army of, of Israel and he goes and fights the giant, Goliath, the number one enemy of the nation of Israel. And so he is going in. And if you read the story, I want to encourage you, I'm not going to go into that story, but go and read that story. Because that story, okay, that'll preach all by itself. Because he was just this little dude. He's like, he's like 20 years old. And I, I imagine he's like five foot, like two or something. And he's like running. <laughs> what? He's laughing. My husband's laughing at me in front. I'm just telling you what I imagine. And so then I imagine that he's like running and he's got his like, you know, like, uh, oh, he wasn't supposed to wear Saul's um, armor. And so I just kind of imagine he's wearing like sheepskin, you know, because he's like a shepherd and he's just got this like roar, you know, like he doesn't care anything. And the, the scripture says that he goes at Goliath, he goes at this giant and he's like, you may come at me with insults and with spears, but I come at you with the name of the Lord Almighty. And that is all I need to defeat my enemies. And he just swings that little rock and the giant falls down. Okay, so that's a cool story, right? right. I said it wasn't going to go into it, but then I had to tell it. So 
So because of his faith, though, that was rising up in him, as he was running towards this giant, his faith was exploding and expanding inside of him, and it was fueling him to face his enemy. But then that, that same faith that he has, he brings it to Saul. And he brings it to Jonathan and he's explaining to them what had happened down on the battlefield because they could only see from a distance. And so this is the first time that Jonathan and David meet and the friendship is formed. And it says, by the time David had finished reporting to Saul, Jonathan was deeply impressed with David. An immediate bond was forged between them and he became totally committed to David. From that point on, he would be David's number one. How many of y'all have a number one? You got a number one. My number one's on the front seat. You, everybody's got a number one, hopefully. Saul received David into his own household that day, no more to return to the home of his father. Jonathan, out of his deep love for David, made a covenant with him. He formalized it with solemn gifts, his own royal robe and weapons and armor and sword and bow and belt. You know, your true friends will give you the shirt off of their back if you need it as a sign of honor. But I think that what I took from this story, this part of the story, is that it is so important for us to be expressing our faith and our testimony. It was because of David's expressing his faith and his testimony that drew somebody, a person of influence, somebody that could help him in the later, in the later part of the story to uh, attract him. You see, what Jonathan was attracted to and what he was drawn to was David's faith. That's what, that's what bonded them together. See, when, when we speak faith out of something, a spirit of faith in our spirit, the, the people that God wants us to be in relationship with are drawn to that. You see, you don't have to go chasing. You don't have to go chasing all kinds of people. Your faith, the centrality of your faith will be a magnet for your people that God has that, to bless your life. Jonathan was the man and the, and, and the person that God had assigned to David, okay, to help bless his life in a season that we're going to read where he really needed a true friend. In Romans 10, 17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have to keep expressing our faith wherever we're at, in our, in our workplaces, in the grocery stores. You don't ever know who God wants to magnetize to you to bless your life, but you've got to speak out in faith. David didn't care. David didn't care who he was talking to. He was just giving glory to God about what happened to him, and it gave him his best friend. His best friend just came right over there, right there. Faith always unites you to your people. I have a, a new friend. She's here this morning, and uh, it's Evelyn. Evelyn, say hi to Evelyn. Hey, yeah, she's a newer friend. And actually, I haven't even known Evelyn a year. But we were having a girls' day uh, at the spa, and we've become fast friends. And we were having a girls' day, and we were just chat chatting, and I went into the day not having any preconceived conversations. I didn't have anything that I wanted to talk to her about um, with the church. I didn't have anything. It was just supposed to be a day where we just enjoy each other and connect. And we were also with um, another gal, Chelsea, Chuck's daughter. And so it was just supposed to be fun and just low-key everything. So we're at the spa and then we go to lunch and we just start having this conversation about the church and what's been going on. And I kind of share a little bit about the areas of needs at the church uh, currently. 
And then she says to me, well, I don't know if you know this, but I'm going back to school. And I said, oh, cool, what are you going back to school for? Because she's already a software engineer at Intuit and has done very well in her career. But she's like, I'm going back to school. I want to learn how to do web coding and websites and everything. And I just looked at her, and we've been you know, managing our website all by ourselves here at the church. Todd's having to do the majority of the work. And he's been kind of praying about, okay, we gotta find somebody to help upgrade our website. I gotta find somebody that knows more than I do um, that can really help the church, that bless the church. And she just goes, she goes, I'm going back to school for that. And I was like, really? <laughs> really? That's interesting. I said, we need help with that. And I said, uh, do you have a school project that you have to do? And she goes, matter of fact, I do. I have to do a school project. The church website would be perfect. And I'm like, I'm like, well, hallelujah, you know? Because I didn't know her a year ago. But God knew. God knew. God knew that she had a gifting to bless the church that I needed. And God knew that I was supposed to be in her life to offer her the opportunity of the project. God knew what that what was going to happen. God has something for you and other people if you would just show up and join a connect group and, and just give him, give him your heart. Yes, Pastor Rob is amening me. God has something for you. You have no idea. One of, and one of the things, too, I want to just point out is that it may come in unlikely people. Right? I didn't know Evelyn a year ago. And Evelyn had a, and I had a, had a connection right away. However, one of my other greatest friendships that I have is a woman who is 20 years older than me. She's also African-American, and she has a completely different background than I do, and she lives in Washington State. I knew her from years and years and years ago, but in a very dark season of my life, she was the one that was reaching out to me. Right. Not the people that I thought would be reaching out to me, but she was the one that had the prophetic ear from the Lord, and she had the word from the Lord for me that I needed in season, and she became one of my closest friends. You see, Saul and, Saul, or I'm sorry, Jonathan and David were actually 20 or 30 years apart. Jonathan was 50 years old, and David was 20. However, they had this bond, this intimacy that was united around faith, and it helped fulfill the purpose of David in his life. Faith Friends with faith help you fulfill your purpose. Yes. That's why it's so important to get connected. Friends with faith help you fulfill your purpose. Well, that's so good. The faith and the common love for God enabled them to tell the truth as well when it was hard. We'll go into that in a minute. In 1 Samuel 19, uh, this is when things start to go south. This is, this is when David starts really needing a friend. Best time to become a friend is before you really need one, <laughs> by the way. Uh, so just, that's just a little for free. But um, so David had uh, slain the giant. And so the, the nation of Israel starts looking at David as a celebrity. And he's now the hero of faith. And they start praising him. And they start um, saying, David has killed his 10,000, Saul's only killed his thousands. And so Saul starts to feel jealous. He gets in a jealous rage and he starts plotting to kill David. He starts plotting to try to take out David's purpose. But Jonathan, because Jonathan loved David, because Jonathan treasured David, he goes to bat for somebody that he has even more history with, somebody that he's been in relationship with, somebody that is his family. He goes to bat for a friend. And when you have the right friends, history doesn't always matter. Right. Right? You can meet somebody and not have a history with them, but if they're the right friend that God is meant to bless your life, it doesn't matter how long you've known them. Right. In 1 Samuel 19, Saul called his son Jonathan together with his servants and ordered them to kill David. 
but because Jonathan treasured David, he went and he warned him, my father is looking for a way to kill you. Here's what you're to do. Tomorrow morning, hide and stay hidden, and I'll go out with my father into the field where you are hiding. I'll talk about you with my father, and we'll see what he says. Then I'll report back to you. Jonathan brought up David with his father, speaking well of him. He said, please, don't attack David. He hasn't wronged you, has he? And just, and just look at all the good he's done. He puts his life on the line when he, kills, when he killed the Philistine. What a great victory that God gave Israel that day. You were there, you saw it, and you were on your feet applauding with everybody else. So now why would you even think of sinning against an innocent person and killing David for no reason whatsoever? Saul actually listened to Jonathan at that point and said, you're right, as God lives, David lives, he will not be killed. Number one, uh, we create spaces, safe spaces for one another. But what Jonathan is doing in this particular passage is he is accentuating, which means he's making more noticeable and more prominent the best in David. And by doing that, he's actually accelerating David's purpose. So good. Friendships are always a part of God's plan to elevate your life. They say that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. If relationships are the fuel of our life, you've got to go together. You've got to grab a hand on both sides and go together. Because you will go further in your life if you have people in it. In 1 Samuel 20, where we see that David and Jonathan learned to create a safe space with each other is actually further on in the story. And it says, then David fled from... Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, what have I done? What is my crime? Because he finds out he's called, Saul's trying to kill him again. And he goes, how have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? And Jonathan, it looks like, says, never. You're not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It's not true. It's not true, David. Don't worry about it. But then David took an oath and he said, which means David says, no, I swear to you, I swear to you that your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he'll be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there's only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. You see, this was them creating a safe space. David was able to tell him a very hard truth. And Jonathan was able to receive it. You see, Jonathan didn't want to believe it at first. Sometimes there are things that we have to tell our friends that they won't want to believe at first. About themselves, about the relationship maybe that they're in that's not a good relationship. Uh, maybe it's about the job, whatever. But if you can create safe spaces in your friendships, you will have a healthy, rich friendship that will actually in accelerate and accentuate your purpose, okay? But telling the truth is hard, and true friends tell you the truth. Amen. Everybody laughs at that. I wasn't expecting people to laugh at that, but yeah. It's hard to tell the truth. But true friends do it from a place of love. They do it from a place of like, I'm telling you the truth because I want to see you get better. Not because I want to put you down. Right. Not because I want you to feel bad about yourself. I'm doing it because I love you. Yeah. Right? And, and we're in this thing together. Yeah. Number two, it accentuates the best parts of you. 
True friends accentuate the best parts of you. Jonathan was put in David's life to highlight the best parts of him and to accelerate him into his purpose. I'd like to have the worship team come up with me if you could. You know, some friends don't bring out the best in you, <laughs> right? Sometimes we are around people and we're in relationship with people that don't accentuate the best parts of us. I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, um, I had a friend in college that um, when I would fight with Todd, <laughs> I'd call her and I would be like, rawr, 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 you wouldn't believe what he did to me. Oh my goodness. Like, ugh. and then he said this and then he's talked to this girl. And like, you, this is what I sound like on the phone, right? To my friend. And she's a, she goes, oh, are you kidding me? What a jerk. Why would he do that? Okay, she didn't, obviously we weren't married yet, so like she didn't know we were going to be doing this together for the rest of our lives. And she was like, you just need to, you just need to tell him who's boss and you just need to, okay? And I would get off the phone from those conversations feeling worse. I'd be like, why don't I feel better? I just vented. We put way too much uh, emphasis on venting, by the way. Venting is meant to be uh, to the Lord and to one safe person, particularly your spouse. If you're not married, find that safe person. Find that Jonathan or that David in your life because um, venting will only um, accentuate the worst parts of, your, of you, right? When I'm venting about my boyfriend that I don't approve of or whatever and my girlfriend just sits there and commiserates with me and I get off the phone and I don't feel any better, about doing it, that goes to show me that that's maybe not God's way. That's maybe not the type of friendship that I need to be engaging in. I need to be, I, I need to be uh, on the phone with somebody that'll tell me, um, that'll call me on my stuff. That say like, you know what, I, I feel like you're kind of being negative right now. I feel like maybe, where were, where were you wrong in that interaction? We need people to be able to tell us that. And frankly, I think there's a lot of people that want to know the truth, that really do want to hear the truth, even when it's hard. Because we want to get better. We want to go further, right? We don't, we don't want to stay stuck. We stay stuck when we don't want to hear the truth. Number three, it elevates you. It elevates you to your God-given design and your calling. David was designed to be the king of Israel, and he was arguably the greatest king of Israel. But he needed Jonathan. Jonathan was a key component, a key friend, to get him to his story. He was alive. His life was spared because Jonathan was there, because Jonathan and him had this uh, camaraderie and this connection around their faith in God and Jehovah, and what what they built their relationship on was accentuating, accentuating the best parts of each other. And Jonathan was necessary to elevate David to his purpose. He was necessary. He was a necessary part of the story. And I wonder how many of us don't have friends that you feel like fit that purpose or that design. If you don't have somebody in your life like that. If you don't feel like I have a David or a Jonathan, I want to encourage you that, that that person might be sitting next to you right now. That person might be in this room. That might, that they, might be in, they might end up being in the same connect group that you sign up for. And it may not be somebody that you expect, but it's somebody that God has already designed and purpose for them to bless you and for you to have a mutual reciprocal relationship and friendship with. 
when I was uh, a new believer in college. Some of you guys know my story. I was 19 years old. I went to a Christian college before I was a Christian. <laughs> Don't know many people that do that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I grew up in a Christian home, but um, I, I say I, I wasn't really a Christian or a follower of Jesus until I was 19. Um, and my, in my second year of Bible college, um, it was Northwest University. And um, I became a, a, a Christian when I finally got to the end of me. And I was sick of living my life. I don't know why that's funny either, but maybe some of you can resonate. You know, you just finally get sick of living the life that you've been living. And you just need a savior. And you just get desperate enough and say, God, I'm willing to give my life now to you. And I had that moment when I was 19 in a church on a Wednesday night youth service of all places. God will use any kind of place to get to his people because he is constantly with arms wide open waiting for you to come to him. Yes. He'll use any venue. All you have to do is say yes. yes. All you have to do is say yes, Jesus. I'm done. I got to do it. I'm done with my way. I got to do it your way. Whatever you want, I give you my life. I don't know why I keep talking about that moment, but I, I feel like maybe somebody in here needs to hear it. That you've been kind of going on your own way for a while and it's left you feeling more and more empty and I want to encourage you today that Jesus Jesus wants all he's doing is this like right now to you he's just saying come to me come to me all you who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest I will take the yoke that you put on yourself and I will put my yoke on you it is it is easy and it is light it doesn't have to be heavy let's just bow our heads in this moment this is not what I had planned to do, but I feel like the Lord wants me to ask this question. Nobody looking around. This is a sacred moment for somebody. If you do not know Jesus, if, if, if you don't feel like Jesus calls you friend, or if you have never known him as a friend, as intimate and as personal as what I am describing, and if you are kind of tired of the way that you've been doing it, if you've been carrying something that's too heavy for you. I want you to know that you are in a safe space right now and that he's just calling to you and he wants to be your friend. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand on the count of three? I'd like to pray for you. One, two, three. I see one right there, right there. Thank you, Jesus, right there. I see your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for the hands that were raised. Father, right now I pray that you would lift the yoke and the burden of a life of not following you and not doing things your way, God, and come and bring your freedom right now in this place. For your burden is easy and your yoke is light. And I know that when we walk with our own, with our own way, with our own sin, with our own ideas, with our own ideas or ideals and philosophies and we don't take on who you are as a friend, it can get heavy. And so I pray for right now a lifting of those spirits that have just said yes to you. I know that heaven is cheering right now. I know that heaven is so excited right now. If you guys all would just uh, say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus. I know I've sinned. I'm not proud of it. 
and I don't want to do it my way anymore. Today I accept your free gift of grace and salvation over my life. Come and be the Lord of my life. Show me who you are and show me your ways. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for waiting for that moment. I felt really like we needed to do that. But on the topic of friendships, the right friendships will elevate you to the purpose and the design and the calling that you're meant to. I had a friend after I had that moment that had been my friend before. And when I wasn't really a follower of Jesus, she just annoyed me. Like, like she just would like follow me around. And she'd be like, hey, Katie, how you doing? And she was all happy, and I wasn't. And I was just like, oh, gosh, she's so annoying. Like, what, what am I supposed to do with this person, this happy Christian person? Like, just leave me alone. And when I had that moment where I said yes to Jesus and I was really craving friendship, craving friendship and discipleship, that girl was there. And she said to me, uh, after I had really kind of immersed myself in the church and I had immersed myself in this life of following Jesus and things started to change in my life and I was joyful and you know you could see Jesus all over my face and in my smile she said to me she said Katie you know I really think that you should volunteer to do our new Monday night worship nights that we're having at the college and I was like okay I don't sing so that's not me <laughs> and she was like she was like no I think you need to just I think you just need to volunteer because I think you should join the first impressions team or you should just greet people because people need to see Jesus and and people can see Jesus on your face and she said people need that when they're going into a worship service and at that point I had no plan of being in ministry when I signed up to be on the greeter team, which by the way, the greeter team is a pretty awesome team if you need a team to sign up for. I mean, it's awesome. But that's the team that I signed up for and I had no plans to step into full-time ministry ever at that point. I just wanted to serve because Jesus had come into my life and he had set me free and he had put a joy and a peace in my heart that was so indescribable and it was so not like nothing I had ever experienced and I just wanted to hold the door open and I just wanted to smile at everybody and just love on them because that's what Jesus would do. And when I talk about how friends are meant to elevate your life into your God-given design and purpose, I think about her all the time because I wonder if I would ever be standing up on this stage encouraging people had I not had a friend to come alongside me and to say, you know what, you should probably do that. You should go to Pursuit. It was called Pursuit Worship Nights. You should go to Pursuit and just start greeting and see what God does with your life. One little step of faith, guys. One little step of saying yes and look what God can do. Yeah. Yeah. I want to bow your head. If you could just bow your heads, I'm going to pray 